inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. It is time right now for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program today brought to you by the Willie Store, family owned since 1900 in Greensboro. By Polly Construction on Gregory Drive in South Burlington. One call does it all. Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By Menard's family-owned True Value Store, serving you on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester, top quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Find their store locations and hours of operation online, sticksandstuff.com. By PNR Lumber, they're open and ready to serve you. PNR Lumber on Route 15 in Walcott. Family milled lumber for all your projects. Check out PNR Lumber on Facebook. By Guy's Farm and Yard with four locations to serve you. If it eats and grows, Guy's can feed it. Guy'sFarmandYard.com. And by Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel. They are open to serve you and they sponsor the WDEV podcast of In the Garden. Check Dandelion Acres Center in Bethel online at dandelionacres.com. Peter Burke is here to hear your gardening comments and answer your garden questions. Lines are open at 802-244-1777. And right now, here's the host of In the Garden, Peter Burke. Hey, Joel. Inch by inch, row by row. Yes, indeed. The weeds and weeds will and just grow and grow. <laughs> Where did Actually, that come from? foot by foot in my garden. That's <laughs> a whole new meaning to square foot gardening. Right. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> so I saw something on the way over here to Waterbury, and it was a great big round object up in the sky. What could that be? <laughs> oh, Lordy, it's and, good to see the sun again for a little un- while. An anyway. unidentified flying object. <laughs> That's what it was, but, for I sure. Think, I think right off the bat we have somebody on the line. Oh, welcome. Good afternoon. You're in the garden uh, on the air. Question for fertilizing garlic. Okay. For uh, like a liquid fertilizer, fish emulsion. Sure. Absolutely. Fish motion is great. Now, uh, fertilizing uh, garlic really starts uh, last year. So you want to, uh, because it's a root crop, you want to make sure you, when you're planting your garlic, you have, um, I always put in some of the uh, uh, bone meal. Right, yeah, I think we did that. Um, oh, okay, good. Uh, but from now on, yeah, fish emulsion would be perfect for that. Um, also important is to make sure you weed pretty thoroughly. All the alliums, the onion plants are, are, are really, um, have a shallow root system in a way and, and they don't like to grow with weeds. So, uh, get the weeds out of there. That's important. Okay. And what about sweet potatoes? 
sweet potatoes I have not grown, so I'm not so sure as to to what they need for fertilizer. But um, if it, being a potato like, uh, I assume it'd be just like your regular old uh, yeah. uh, potatoes. Is it just a standard, um, uh, you know, sort of like a pro grow? Uh, every well, actually, if you planted, have you planted them already? Yeah. Okay, so then this is about the right time to go ahead and fertilize them again, and then every couple of weeks from there, from here on. Um, and what would you recommend for a fertilizer? Well, I'd start with uh, depending on what you put in in the first place, but I'd start with just a pro grow on top of the ground, about a tablespoon per square foot, um, and then. Uh, uh, they would uh, absolutely love the fer- fish fertilizer, foliar spray. Oh, they like that too, huh? Yeah, and um, you want to make sure you keep that ground uh, nice and warm. They really they relish the warmth. Right. Okay. So right. Um, one of my uh, – uh, the nurse at, uh, at my doctor's uh, – uh, office was saying that uh, he was growing, um, he was going to grow them, and I suggested, and uh, he actually is using those, um, uh, the garden mats, you know, the the weed mats. Oh, yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, and uh, so something like that it may seem a little extreme for anything else, but for those, you want to keep that soil nice and warm. Okay, what about uh, Mulch hay. Well, see, that's that's sort of what I'm saying. With the mulch hay, what you're doing is you're keeping the ground moist and 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 cool. It's not. Whereas with a something like that, uh, a landscape cloth even would work fine. I'm not sure about black plastic, although I've seen it recommended. Um, uh, I would probably encourage using a landscape cloth re- okay. so that the water goes down through and into the soil. If you can do that, that'd be great. If they're already up, um, depending on how large they are, it might well, be a little hard. Real early, they're 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 coming. They're big. Yeah, they're they're up and out. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Well, All right. Cool. Thank you very much. Yeah. Sure thing. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye. Sweet potatoes. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. I got some sweet potatoes, uh, Vermont grown sweet potatoes. Um, at the uh, you know at that root store down on 100 and Route Two, uh-huh. and they were uh, they were monsters and they were so delicious literally, um, and I tried something new I actually cooked them in the microwave because uh, the day I did it was pretty hot and I didn't want to turn the oven on I said well let's let's see there's a button just for potatoes on the this new microwave and I thought well I'll give it a try they were perfect absolutely perfect we cut them in. In about an inch and a half slices and everybody got a piece and they were, you didn't need to put butter on them or salt on them or anything. They were absolutely delicious and they were growing in Vermont. You know, I, I never liked sweet potatoes, but no. then something happened. I went, I did a 180 <laughs> when, uh, I ordered sweet potato fries at the A&W oh, down yeah. in Oh, Were they good? Oh, yeah. So now I take sweet potatoes and I don't really make fries because I don't deep fry them. Yeah. I yeah. kind of fry them in the pan a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Oh, are they good? Yeah. Yeah. Well, try that in the microwave. Just, mm-hmm. just cook it, slice it. Put it on the plate and spoon it out, and it's absolutely delicious. Yeah, that, that would be a good topic for a program, maybe not necessarily this one. All the <laughs> buttons on the microwave, you know, there, there are a dozen of them, and ten of them you never use. I know. What I only do use, they do, I use the, the start button, which is, gives me a minute. Mm-hmm. Occasionally I'll put in four minutes for something, 
and then I use the timer, <laughs> and that's for things on the stove. <laughs> you know, I figured like one of these days I'm going to push like three of them at the same time. See what happens. And yeah, they'll, yeah they'll, when the when the fire department arrives, yeah, yeah. they'll find a big crater where crater, my house right. used to be. Yeah. Yeah. You're just a big kid, aren't you? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, Let's see. Uh, I have so many things. I have about four pages of notes here today, so you'll have to forgive me if I seem a little disjointed. But um, the one of the girls at work said, "Hey, Pete, do you know anything about um, uh, Jerusalem artichokes?" She said her husband was interested in them, and uh, uh, you know. I said, yes, I do know some about them. And the first thing I know about them is do not grow them in your garden. <laughs> Pick a spot outside of your garden, wall it off with stone or something, you know, and, and grow them all by themselves. Do not put them in your garden. And, uh, I had this, uh, uh, I had to refer back to it. It's a wonderful book called The Seven Sisters. And it's sort of, uh, uh, an addendum to the three sisters, the squash, corn, and beans that we have all heard about, right? The three sisters that the American, uh, many Native American um, uh, people have used for a good long time to, as a, uh, you know, as a basic food crop, crops, you know. Um, and uh, one of the seven sister, one of the four, five, six, and seven sisters, is the uh, sunchoke, is the Jerusalem artichoke. Now, get this, Joel. They grew sunflower is actually native to North America. And, you know, amidst all the talk about the invasive species and all the rest, well, there's some pretty, you know, uh, um, pretty uh, great uh, crops that are, you know, Natural to this uh, area, and so the sun choke or the Jerusalem artichoke is one of them. And in this book here, he he um, talks about uh, uh, actually, you, you know, going along uh, uh, the Lamoille River uh, down near one particular uh, between uh, on Route 15 between Hardwick and Morrisville. Uh, there's uh, there's you know just whole big. Uh, uh, a whole big bunch of them. Let me see if I can find the location here. But it's um, it's uh, kind of neat in that the uh, the Abenaki, and then what he also calls a Wabanaki, which goes all the way down to the Chesapeake Bay region, uh, grew them um, and used them as a, a staple crop. And uh, so he was saying that he – well, it was along the Lamoille River, and there were the whole stands of them um, near one of the covered bridges there. Anyway, uh, these, uh, um, I, you know, grow very well in this climate, and uh, they're very productive, and you can uh, harvest them in the fall. And just like a potato, uh, you know, they're nice tubers. They're a little sort of clunky, you know. They're sort of like got a lot of little nubs on them and all the rest. So they they can be kind of hard to clean. Um, I bought them at the store and they were easy to clean. They weren't, weren't a big deal. But I'm sure if you were pulling them out of the ground for the for the beginning, it might be a little tougher. But 
I was fascinated with that, um, that they were actually um, uh, growing here many moons ago and that they're uh, indigenous to this uh, to this area and were, they were a staple crop. Uh, it kind of throws you when they're called the Jerusalem artichoke, which is uh, a kind of a bastardization of the girasol, which is an Italian name for sun-following. Uh, and so anyway, it's it's uh, an interesting interesting history to them. Um, easy to grow, and um, so. All right. Well, we'll pick that up later, and let's take our call from uh, Troy. Troy. Oh, yeah, Troy. And uh, Braintree. Okay. What yeah, you got Trudy. going? Trudy. Oh, that's a D. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my handwriting? <you're... laughs> no. Oh, no, no. No, 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 no. Trudy, welcome. <laughs> well, What's... this isn't necessarily a gardening question. It's a shrub question. Okay. The deer destroyed my rhododendrons oh. right down to what was buried in the snow. Oh, I'm sorry. Should I cut them back? What are they doing right now? They Nothing. must have, the deer did that over the winter or did in yes. the spring? Yeah, the winter. Long towards spring. At this point, I would just watch them and see. You know, you might even, since it's been so dry, you might go ahead and give them a good watering. And, um, well, we've had rain the last two days now. Yeah, yeah. Well, stick your finger down in the soil and make sure that that's, that that rain has actually penetrated the down six okay. inches because you want to make sure that they have a good watering and that might stimulate them a little bit. And I, I, you could put you could put a fertilizer on them, but they're they're really not uh, they're really light feeders. They're not heavy feeders at all. So I yeah, I would put my coffee grounds around them. Yeah, sure. Yeah, why not? Um, that seems like a, a good idea. Or you know, they've working for years until the deer. I have a hill behind my house that bears off before anywhere into else in yep. the area. Yep. So all the deer from Braintree come to my backyard. <laughs> I have the same situation. I know exactly what you mean. I counted up to thirty there one night. Oh my! <laughs> oh my! You must take pictures like crazy, huh? No, not no. so much. My husband's a photographer. Uh, I see. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> well, but they're just anyway, they're become it, an annoyance sometimes. Oh yeah, they they, uh, they eat discriminately. Um, I had oh. one one season when they we decided to eat all of my Brussels sprouts the day before Thanksgiving when I planned to pick them, and that was a little discouraging. Yes. <laughs> But, um, you know, you might just, uh, well, I think at this point, you're just going to have to wait and see if they, they come back. Chances are good. It's a well-developed root system. Um, if they've yeah. been good right along, I would go ahead and just wait and see if you don't get some sprouts over the next month here. If not, then you're going to have to replant, you know, not much else you can do. But I, I used to work in a place that had gardeners. And yeah. they cut the big rhododendrons down. Down, fall. yeah. Yep. And then they all came back beautiful. All came back beautiful. That's what I'm I'm sort of thinking is that they really could could very easily come back. 
um, because of such a well-developed root system. If it was a year one or two, maybe you would lose it. Yeah. But uh, if this is an established bush, uh, I would just give it a little time and, uh, you know, do a rain dance over it and talk to them, and <laughs> uh, they'll probably come up to greet you. <laughs> And you may have a late blooming too. <laughs> it is possible you might see a, a blossoms in the Any fall. Any green where they chewed off? Yeah, no green at all. Huh? No. Uh, so those those stems probably are going to die. So you might want to just go ahead and lop them off at ground level and and uh, and see what they sh- what new shoots come up out of the. Out of the soil. Now, would it be better to wait until fall for to, to cut them back? No, I'd go ahead and do it now. It's just and okay. and and because what really what you want is a new shoot. Um, you know, leave a couple branches and see what happens. Yeah, well, there's a few on the very bottom that I yep. got five blossoms out of. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They were under the snow. They couldn't get to them. Oh, yeah. Well, then that that shows you there still is life in the root system. That there, yeah. You know, yeah. and there's good chances it'll come out hale and hearty. You may decide right. to go ahead and cut them down every year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those over there, they came up big and lush every single year after cutting them way back in the fall. Uh-huh. Was that in Vermont or is that? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So... <laughs> You may be on to something. You can thank the deer later. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Not so inclined, huh? (laughs) No, they got a lot of other things as well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So and the, and the killing frost did just more of the rest of it. Oh yeah, no, that killing frost really hit our oaks really badly all, oh, all around. Yeah, I've yeah. got beech and ash here, and yeah, the yeah. ash is coming a little bit, but the beech are, are totally brown. Oh yeah, and uh, I just noticed, uh, or actually my wife noticed, said, "Hey, there's some green coming out of that uh, that oak tree," you know, and yeah. we've noticed that quite a few of them are just just starting to put out a second set of leaves. So I think we'll be okay. The younger ones, the the really smaller ones, seem to be a little slower coming back, but they'll come back. Just like your rhododendron. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> okay, thank you. I think your chances are good they'll come back. All right, Trudy, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And uh, Hey, this would be a good time for us to acknowledge the fine underwriters. And boy, are they busy this time of year helping you out. Meet all of your gardening needs and desires at Dandelion Acres in Bethel. Make a statement with trees and shrubs. Grow your own vegetables and fruits with a selection of veggie starts, fruit trees, and berry bushes. And add color with annual and perennial flowers, including lush flowering hanging baskets. Don't forget the accents, unique statuary, pottery, and garden furniture. Plus, soils, fertilizers, and mulches. Everything you need and lots of things you want in one place. Dandelion Acres in Bethel, online at dandelionacres.com. Peter is ready to hear from you, 802-244-1777. Once again, Peter Burke. All right. Thanks, John. Um, I forgot to mention, uh, the book I'm referencing here is uh, called The Seven Sisters by a fellow named Frederick M. Wiseman, who was a professor at Johnson and uh, one of the reasons he uh, was driving along uh, the Lamoille River Route 15 was because he was going back and forth to work. 
And uh, it was uh, interesting how he uh, uh, he was uh, saying that the uh, that it's the Jerusalem artichoke, or the sometimes it's called the sun choke. Uh, have you heard that name before? Not me. No. Yeah, sun choke. Um, it, it was a well-known perennial uh, um, food source for the Abenakis. And uh, so the um, it was a perennial. And I have read, and it mentions in here, how that uh, on the pathways that the uh, American Indians and Native Indians had, they would grow, they would, you know, plant clumps of these so that they had a food source as they traveled along the way. And it was sort of like a, uh, a, a shopping, you know, a, a, you know, small food store along the way, along the path. And because they were perennial, they would just keep growing and growing, you know, year after year. And uh, the other one, and I was really surprised in here that this is, was the uh, the ground cherry. And I, I think we talked about the ground cherry a little bit uh, in a show earlier this year because I was impressed with the fact that you can get up to like 300 cherries of these little, you know, cherry-sized berries off of one plant. And that they'll store for like uh, three months if you store them in a cloth bag around 50-degree cool um, and not too moist. And uh, But anyway, it was also a um, an indigenous uh, um, and uh, local uh, source of food for the Abenakis, which is... Uh, I kind of thought that it was uh, like the tomatilla was growing further further south, but uh, of course they grow well here, and um, um, they're not only delicious if you haven't tried them, it's definitely worth it. But it's kind of cool when uh, when some really good foods are are not uh, invasive species, <laughs> you know. Uh, because so many of the things we grow are really not really well, local. Those Jerusalem artichokes <laughs> yeah. don't need much encouragement. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's why I was saying the first thing you do is don't grow them in your garden, and that's not true for the ground cherries. The ground cherries usually grow in a in a clump, sort of like a, um, in a way like the cucumber if you grow it on the ground. But I'm going to be growing it in a, a tomato cage. So that it's up off the ground, and oddly enough, you don't pick the berries. You wait till they drop because that's when you know they're ripe. And so harvesting really is picking them up off the ground. And since they have those, um, they have a paper on them, sort of like a tomatilla, if you've ever noticed that, like a a lantern, you know, so that they have a little bit of cushion when they drop. They don't bruise so much. And uh, um, that's an interesting. Um, an interesting uh, food crop if if you ever want to try something new. Both of those are. And um, one of the uh, girls at work, Paula, was saying that she wanted to do a little gardening, and uh, I suggested doing containers. And she got three of those uh, garden patch containers. I'll be darned. Show me a picture of them Friday uh, and or Thursday, and it was uh, they'd look great. Her her cucumbers were about ten inches tall. Her tomatoes were coming up gangbusters, and uh, I was really impressed. <laughs> she just went out and did it, you know. <laughs> First garden she ever had, she said. 
uh, if you're, uh, you know, if you just want to start out or if you don't have room or, you know, you want to make it easy on yourself, uh, get a couple of those boxes and and uh, use those for your garden. I'm, I was very pleased to see that. And uh, she was tickled pink, you know, and as you can imagine. And uh, this week I'm going to plant my tower, my my container tower. Did I tell you about that before? Yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, they have like 30 cells around yeah. this tower that's about five foot tall. And, uh, you know, you pour the water in the top and it trickles down through. And uh, we're going to see how that works. I love the way that sounds. I yeah. Definitely. Yeah. going to have to post some pictures on our website. We have yeah. to figure out how to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this. Uh, well, you probably know how to do it. I mean, well, no, I I'm in the same the same same class of older, ignorant, you know. Well, we have a we have an IT department here. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. means that at least one person knows how to work everything. That's basically <laughs> what that means. <laughs> oh, that's not a, a golf game, the IT. <laughs> yeah, you know the LIV. Yeah. Merged with the PGA. Oh. Yeah. You know what the LIV stack is? I have the slightest idea. They pronounce it live. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. And um, I finally learned. I can't say I figured it out. Yeah. But they didn't publicize it. LIV is actually the Roman numeral 54, and that's the number of holes in a golf tournament. Oh, I'll be darned. Yeah. That's exactly (laughs) what I said. That's kind of cute. Yeah. Now I know, and. Yeah. I don't know if, if, if I care even, but now I know. Live. That's well, that uh, speaking of golf, uh, one of the things I, I uh, want to do with my um, my grandsons is I'm getting in one of those portable um, disc golf uh, baskets uh-huh. so we can play uh, disc golf in the oh. yard. Oh, I know those know. are neat, yeah. Yeah, so you can, you know, I figure it would be good coordination and, and fun to see if we could, you know, learn how to. Get a disc in yeah. in a in a basket. So. Our uh, our general manager, our our dear leader, yeah, Corm uh, uh, is yeah. a golfer. Yeah, he's probably out there on the links right now. Yeah. D- disc golfer, regular old oh regular golfer, regular no, golfer. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's busy trying to break two hundred today, <laughs> <laughs> and that's on the first. Uh, that's on the front nine. <laughs> but no, yeah. God, golf is an addictive. She's sport. listening, you know. You <laughs> not out on the not out on the links. Well, he might have that. Uh, Only kidding. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) How many times have I said that? (laughs) Right. Only kidding. Well, uh, my my uh, middle son has enjoyed disc golf quite a bit. He he went to uh, he went to Johnson, and they have quite the course there. And uh, up um, in Callis, just up the road from us, there they've for years they did the disc golf tournaments there. Back in the woods, and if you drive along the back road there, um, you know, you can see every once in a while, you can kind of see one of these baskets hanging out in the middle. That looks like fun, though. Yeah. I would I would love at least to try that. Yeah. Well, we have somebody uh, on the line. I don't know if they're going to be asking about disc golf or <laughs> Jerusalem artichokes. Or... We do get carried away. Or no disc golf questions today. All the moles and voles that are crawling around there, you know, making divots for us. Here we go. <laughs> Name in town. Hi, this is Mike, uh, the the four leaf clover guy in Waterbury. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, from a couple of years ago, I remember uh, it very distinctly. Uh, so I wanted to brag one real quick thing. I yes. found a seven leaf clover the other day. Holy Christmas! 
You must feel you did you buy a lottery cool. ticket after that or I did. <laughs> and then I did not win. <laughs> oh well. You won the, uh, the seventh league cover contest. Yeah, apparently uh there's world record is uh Twenty one leaves. No, get out. I really? can't even imagine that. I can I can't imagine it either. Wow. Uh, anyway, the uh the first caller um uh, answered my first question about uh what to use for garlic at this time of year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm finally growing uh what looks to be good garlic. It's uh, just over waist high right now. Oh um, man. Pretty happy about that. Oh bad. Uh I do have a couple of questions about carrots. Uh do you think it's too late to oh no um, no 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 not at all it's not yeah. too late carrots run 65 70 75 days and we're you know we're just two weeks into the 120 so you know we're you're you're fine you can you're they can fine. deal with the warmer warmer temperatures that oh for certain you will eventually get yeah for certain and um Sort of, you know, check the variety because you, if you're planning to use them for storage, make sure you get the the longer ones, you know, like the uh, Bolero in the Johnny C catalog or uh, Nantes or, you know, just check to see how long they they are. If they're the seven, eight inch ones, they're, they're more like storage carrots or if they're like the, the IR and the Mokum. Uh, carrots, uh, those are shorter. They're about six inches at full length and, and they're, they're shorter season to maturity. And the, all of them will take a frost, you know, so you can plan on growing those right up into the end of September and in, and even in until October. So yeah, I'd absolutely plant them now. Um, so what I do, and I, I've mentioned this a few times, is um, when I grow them, I grow a whole four-by-four four bed. I don't know if you're thinking about growing that many. It's 256 carats, and it'll fill a you know, five-gallon pail uh, pretty easily. And uh, I go ahead and each – I plant them three inches apart in each square foot. So that means there's 16 carats in a one square foot space, okay? And then I'll do that throughout the whole four by four. Maybe you only want two feet or whatever. Um, what are you looking for? You want just a few or do you want a lot? Uh, well, I do mostly container gardening, so, yeah. you know, okay. whatever I can squeeze into. Yeah, oh. I do that the, um, the yeah. cloth pot. Yep, yep. So um, you want to plant them about three inches apart and just plant them, fill up the whole space, you know, uh, about three inches apart. And what I do in, in my big four by four, I actually have a piece of plywood that I, uh, lay down on top of the soil. So what you could do is if you can find a board or something that, that is, uh, pretty substantial, if not, you know, maybe four or five layers of, of cardboard soaked and you put it down right on top of the, the carrots after you've planted them and, and uh, watered them good. Put it right down there. Even put a brick or a rock on top of them so it really holds right tight to the soil. And then after seven days, you, you pull your brick off and you just slowly lift up your cardboard or your board or whatever. And if you look real close, I mean real close, you'll see the small little green, little yellow leaves actually uh, just starting to pop out. Now, and that's seven days. Now, if you read the seed package, oftentimes it'll it'll say that they take, you know, 14 to 21 days to sprout. 
And so a lot of people will recommend putting uh, radish seeds in with them so that you have sort of like a, a tracer um, so you know where you planted and uh, but if you if you do it this way, um, they'll sprout in seven days. They'll sprout very quickly. And uh, I was so surprised when I first learned this. And then uh, um, uh, so I, I started to read a little bit about carrots. And apparently um, uh, a lot of people have noticed the same thing that I did. I started out with just a, a small roll and I put a four inch, you know, a one by four on top of the the row. And because I was leaving for a week, you know, to go on vacation, and I knew I wouldn't be able to keep the soil most moist, so I just put that board on top of it, thinking, oh, that'll that'll you know at least keep it moist for 21 days. Well, I came back and looked, and sure enough, those little carrots had already started to sprout in seven days, and that was the fastest sprouting I had ever had. So give that a try, even in your container, and. Uh, uh, see if um, see if you can't get them to sprout within a week. Yeah, we'll do. I actually uh, I did cardboard with just one container last yeah. year. Yeah, and uh, actually uh, a few of them managed to survive the winter and the hard freeze and everything. I've got <laughs> carrots that I can pick right now. Oh, that's fantastic! And that'll I be the, probably the sweetest carrot you ever had too, because they they get sweeter when they get uh, a frost on them. That's great. All right, well, thank you very much for the advice. I, I yeah. love the show. Listen every week. I guess I, I don't need to wish you good luck because you're shot in the pants with it. <laughs> <laughs> this, okay, Mike. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Take care. Take care. Well, we've got another uh, 15 minutes or so, so uh, 244-1777, and here's Peter. Hey, Joel, just a reminder, everybody, about this time you start to sh- see the little white uh, moths uh, or uh, sometimes they're blue and sometimes they're sort of uh, light brown tan. Um, those would be your cabbage uh, worms, uh, you know, they're they're out there laying the eggs. So this is a good time to spray your, um, your uh, coal family, your cabbage family uh, plants, especially your broccoli and and uh, um, cabbages and um, kale, collards, Brussels sprouts, all of them. It's just uh, good to get started early so that um, that first uh, uh, planting, so to speak, the, the first round of, uh, of the uh, cycle there to, uh, to um, set them back early. So that's, I use either the Thurgicide or the, uh, uh, Spinosad, the Jack, Captain Jack's, uh, mm-hmm. or the uh, Thurgicide, which is the, the bacillus there that, uh, the bacteria that, that kills them. And, uh, if, as soon as you see those, uh, little, little moths coming, it's time, and that, that should start fairly soon. I, I see yellow, small yellow butterflies that yep. are identical to the white ones. Yeah, yeah. And I think they're just as nasty. Yeah, yeah. I think they're yeah, just yeah, one of the one of the generations, like mm-hmm. a blue, blue, white, um, uh, yellow, or the tan color. Any one of them, and you, you can see them because they flutter in sort of a, you know, they're, they're real fluttery kind of looking things, and they're running around, laying eggs all over the place. Uh, kohlrabi. Let's see what else is in that family. 
Well, they bro- the, the broccoli is what they attack. The broccoli yeah. is the worst, yeah. Yeah, man, my, my, yeah. my daughters, uh, I swear, would not, not eat mm-hmm. broccoli after the first mm-hmm. worm was found, mm-hmm. actually, in mm-hmm. broccoli that we steamed. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I can hardly blame them. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had our experiences with that, too. Um, so anyway, that's, uh, that's one thing in the garden. And even though we have had a good, uh, rain, I think for the most part, it's also been fairly spotty, more or less, uh, East Montpelier, driving through East Montpelier, we were getting hard rain when I got home. It was just a drizzle, wasn't much. Well, we've so. got a caller on the line. Oh, okay. First name in town? My first name is Pete from Barry. Hey, Pete, repeat. Yeah, thanks. Jeez, <laughs> uh, that's so new to me. Uh, into us. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, I got a quick question. Uh, you know, the, in the spring, by the way, my radio's on. Is it giving feedback? A little bit, um, yeah. Yeah, it'd be a good I'll go, idea. I'll go into a different room. Uh, All right. Yep, that's fine. Oh, turned off or whatever. Uh, she just turned it off. Oh, okay, great. Uh, so, so, uh, I didn't get a chance earlier to side dress. I usually side dress my garlic in the springtime. Yeah. yeah. Is it too late to do so now? Oh no, 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 no. I mean, it's up in good shape and all sure. that sort of thing. But no, you're 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 fertilizing now for for the bulbs. Of, you know, in August. So mm-hmm. this is a fine time. Uh, what oh, okay. are, What are you using for fertilizer for that? I, uh, you know. I've used bone meal, yeah, uh, but that's a slow release. I slow didn't know release. if I yep. should. Yep. yep. I didn't know if I should go to something different uh, for this time of year. Yeah, a general, you know, like the uh, ProGrow uh, blue bag, that would yeah. do it. You don't necessarily need a high nitrogen, uh, right? So something just like that. And even those are fairly slow release, more or less. The the ProGrow doesn't necessarily uh, break down that quickly. So if uh, if they they look a little you know yellow or anything, you can always use the fish fertilizer as a foliar, and they do very yeah, well with that. That's good, that's good fertilizer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can you know you can use the combo of the fish fertilizer and the seaweed kelp. Seeming, uh, yeah. liquid. And, and well, you know, brings me to another question. I, you yep. know, with all these invasive water plants that yep. we have in Vermont now, yeah. why somebody hasn't thought to harvest those yeah. to use them in the garden? Yeah. yeah. You know, on a commercial basis. Uh, sure, why not? That. Yeah, it's the seaweed. Uh, you know, I don't know if you have the kind of mineral content that you get in regular seaweed because it's not ocean water, but. Uh, any kind of organic matter, whether it's from freshwater or, you know, seaweed from the ocean, uh, is a bonus. You know, it's, it's basically like any compost. Um, I would probably put it through the compost uh, bin to start with, but you could try it as a mulch. There's no reason not to try it as a mulch. Yeah, I, uh, would, I would think it would break down rather quickly in you know up yeah. in the air yeah uh, yeah sort of i do too um, uh, the only the only thing that makes me is that blue green algae if there's any question about toxicity with it uh i might i might want to make sure that it uh, dried out if that was some one of the things you were thinking about that's a good point yeah anyway um i thought about that for years uh, if somebody had a we we're doing a business yeah of, of collecting, you know, bombazine is yeah. uh, uh, 
Lake Carmai is yep. notorious for yep. for uh, you know invasive aquatics. Anyway, yep. I'll let you go. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, Pete. Yeah, take care. Thanks for the call. <laughs> it's interesting how creative the folks that call are. I really enjoy that. <laughs> oh goodness, yeah. So many, so many problems that we look at really sometimes are just so simple. I had a, I, I was looking up and finally got this uh, from um, uh, New York City, a New York, uh, an Albany yeah. garden program. Yeah. I always listen to the, what the other garden shows are doing. And someone yeah. called uh, with a question that I actually was online waiting to ask. We had rain during the during that terrible fog, you know, with the Canadian smoke oh, and yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, and I said. Is the acid content of that rain the mm. equivalent of mm-hmm. like high duty acid, acid rain? rain yeah. And the, the the answer from the experts in the short one, you know, a day or two of it isn't uh, mm. like you know the generic acid rain that might be falling for mm-hmm. decades, decades because yeah. of uh, yeah. of the situation. So even though if you were to measure it, there might be spikes and everything for those couple of days that the air is thick with the smoke. Mm-hmm. It's not uh, something that's going to cripple your garden after a couple of rain. Because out in the in the, uh, you know in the Champlain Valley we had three days of rain during yep. those you know and yeah. I was just wondering <laughs> yeah uh, from uh, I don't know I, my my daughter in law sent us pictures from New York City she commutes in from from uh, Hudson uh, from Hastings on Hudson into to New York City to to work in the school system and. She sent us pictures, and it was literally like nine o'clock in the middle of the afternoon. It was really, and I I was wondering why did they get it, and we didn't really get it so much. I mean, I know we had the rain and all the rest, but apparently there was like a, a column of air that was coming right straight down, like uh, the Hudson Valley, like right straight down I eighty seven. Well, we yeah. had clouds, but boy, I tell you, there was one or two. Uh, days of in, rather on you. I'm up real early. Yeah, yeah. Incredible sunrise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a very weird moon around I, sunset. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, I saw the same thing. Uh, you know, we I go into work at five in the morning and mm-hmm. and uh, looking across towards Groton uh, from East Montpelier, you could see the haze. You know for sure. But this was nothing like what the pictures uh, Allison sent. She, it, they, they were so thick, you know, that you could hardly see to the other side of the river, the Hudson River. Well, in New York State and, of course, uh, New York City, yeah. um, Governor Hochul, mm-hmm. uh, she had warehouses full of M95 masks that she stocked up during the oh. pandemic. Oh. And, of course, nobody wanted them. Yeah. And uh, then suddenly it was advised that if, hey, if you mm-hmm. have any, uh, if you're sensitive and have respiratory yep. problems, it might be uh, if you have to go outside during those couple of days, yeah. it might be good to wear a mask. So yeah. just about at every street corner in New York City, there were piles of masks. Put them to good use. Yeah, yeah, right, Allison so. was wearing one yep. when she took mm-hmm. that picture. She, she took a selfie and showed the the sun like this little orange orb, you know, <laughs> and, it wasn't, and uh, it was so hazy and stuff. Well, I tell you, the first time in New York, there have been games canceled for earthquakes. <laughs> yeah. This was the at rainouts. This was the first smokeout. Smokeout, uh, uh, yeah. you know, the, the the New York Yankees were <laughs> smoked out 
<laughs> for the first time. And I know Red Sox fans are going to call me and say, well, the uh, Red Sox smoked the Yankees last night. They didn't really smoke them. They beat them three to two. But at any rate. <laughs> for, for the Red Sox, that's smoking them. Yeah, I tell you. Yeah. Uh, hey, do we have a call, buddy? Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. That's right. Isn't that my job to be watching the phone? I have no excuse now. The lights were all out the last time I was here, but someone uh, sprung for a bulb, so I can see there is a call. And we will say, first name in town, please. Yep, it's Ted in Shelburne. Hey, Ted. Hey. How's it going? <laughs> I'm awake. I'm here. I, I hope it's only me that needs this warning, and I've already alerted to it, but yeah. just... Because it came to me slowly, the leek moth. Oh, yeah. Which will bother your onions or garlic, garlic seriously. Yep. yep. The first time it came to me was years ago, and you will notice that something has eaten the inner juicy parts of an onion leaf mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. and left the bleached out. Yep. hard skin and there's a creature yep. in there eating it yeah. it's heartbreaking and i don't know the whole story but and and garlic is another one and if you see if you happen to see anything the early warning <clears throat> for garlic mm -hmm. is that you see there um, i guess it must be poop but it's it's blonde it's a light sawdusty color thing mm -hmm. yep. and if you see that along with some little harm to some leaves and things yeah. uh it and Captain Jack is effective. Okay, that's the, and uh, yeah. and leaving it alone is is not kind it's of definitely like they not, will yeah. keep, keep and the, eating their way. Yeah, and one of the problems is, is if you really let them develop, they'll stay in that soil. You cannot use that that spot again for I quite a, that, quite a long time. That is. Uh, shown to be true in my case because there was sort of a small kind of incidental patch mm -hmm. where it showed and that is near where the problem has yeah. been before right. yeah. and in the old place which is a decade or so since that onion attack was that mm -hmm. began giving me the clue yeah. um, that Garlic is fine now I mean as of last night and I will but looking closely uh, because at a little distance it you don't seem to notice it on the garlic, but you, if you look at you an individual plant mm -hmm. and make sure it's looking good, then we're all happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's true. You do have to get down, right down, and and look down into the middle of the plant to really. I mean, spot it, it. it can sort of sneak up on me, and I try to pay attention, and I'm around mm -hmm. the stuff on mm -hmm. a daily basis. But then, if I slow down and look closely, I say, "Oops, you're a little behind." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Good luck to you all. And uh, yeah, I, I appreciate the warning. And uh, you, if you have a fairly good size uh, garlic crop, you might just be forewarned to go ahead and spray because it, right. it won't I do any did, harm. Did yeah. some of that, and actually, I'm tending a friend's a little bit, which is a mile or so away. Yep. <laughs> yep. Although he has that morning glory creeping vine, <laughs> <laughs> he has. You know, he is. He doesn't live there anymore. But I helped him plant the garlic last fall, and I'm oh. arranging for it for this year. But yeah. I devined it, and I know that that vine will be back in in a matter of minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen that in my garden too. Yeah, and but, uh, I, well, as it I came I don't in have on some uh, manure that we we got from. Mm. 
<laughs> and I don't have that at my house, which, yeah. is, which is good. Yep. Okay, fine. Uh, thanks for the, uh, the heads up. Catch you later. I appreciate it. Yeah, take care. Yeah, bye. Yeah, bye-bye. Yeah, that's good. To, it's a good thing to remember because um, that is a pernicious, uh, a pernicious problem. Those little leaf moths, and uh, so spin is that is really easy to do. You know, you just follow the instructions, and I use either a one or a two gallon uh, sprayer that I got. Uh, uh, I right from I think that's one I got from Agway. And it was, you know, they're basically indestructible and very easy to use. You know, you pump them up and you spray, and it's they're light enough. I like the one-gallon one. Um, I got a two-gallon one the last time. It's still light enough with a gallon in it that it's you can throw it on your back and walk around and spray. Um, so, yeah, it, if you have a lot of garlic and you've seen any any kind of signs of them whatsoever, you know, you, you need to start spraying right away. And keep your eye on it and and follow the routine because I think that once you start to spray, you won't, you'll still need to spray every seven days, once a week for a certain period of time, which escapes me right this second. I can't remember what the period of time is, but it'll be on the in the label there. Yeah. I'm worried this year about the... Uh, um, what, what, is it, what is it called? The white stuff on your... Uh, on your leaves, uh, oh, the the mold there, yeah, the, yeah. powdery mildew, powdery mildew. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I guess the best way to avoid that is to avoid watering in the late afternoon, which is, you well, know, yeah. The I know I talked to Paul Betts up there at uh, at the um, high mowing. And he said he always plants a second planting of his zucchini and cucumbers mm-hmm. because uh, the the powdery mildew is sort of the um, the natural cycle in a way you know for the when they reach a certain age you know they tend to start to de- to deteriorate and the mold is there to to eat them up but you can spray um that's that uh anything that's alkaline like milk or, right. or baking M- soda milk works or, as long as you change what the yeah, ph is the pH. slightly mm-hmm. then it'll you know it, so put that back that backpack sprayer on again right. <laughs> well it's interesting it's also species <laughs> specific i've noticed that i've had several different kinds yeah. of, you know of of vine plants uh-huh. and some would show the powdery mildew yep. and others would not would you not. know yeah. and then i spray virtually anything on the one yeah. that shows it and it'll abate it, it won't cure what's already covered but it but the the yeah. other what's not what's not affected would would not happen after you after you spray so it's probably a little early right now to spray i'll probably wait till towards uh, july mid july before I started to spray the... Yeah, I wait until I just see the first signs of it. That's uh-huh. yeah. 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 Or just start spraying in July because you know it's going to come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's sort of like the Japanese beetles. You put your traps up on July 1st because you know they're on their way. <laughs> yeah, every year I hope they don't and show up. And boy, they no. do show up. <laughs> no, yes, they. no sense hoping. It's just <laughs> well, there was the argument with the neighbor that putting up the traps actually attracted yeah, them. Oh, no, no. You know, uh-uh. because of the fact that the Japanese beetles. Are, so he should be stuff. happy you're putting them up in your place. Well, no, he says that I'm, I'm putting them up and it attracts them to his yard because that you know they they're in transit from 
wherever they are to my, you know, savory traps, and uh, so, they'll, they'll stop in his yard and have the, a snack before. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. The cycle is the, there's grubs in the ground, you know. The grubs are in the ground, and then they come up out of the ground and, and start to move around. It's not like they're in a nest, you know, Well, intellectually, I know away. that, but, my, you know, I have no <laughs> idea if my neighbor has a shotgun ready or not. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you, you could offer to put them up for him. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, I, you know, uh, anyway, the, the, the at times serious argument is if you don't put them up at all, the fewer will show up. Yeah, because of the fact that the bait is quite fragrant. To yeah. The, oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it, you have to remember that the uh, that uh, the the pole beans and the bush beans and even my blueberries, uh, the the scent of those things are really attract them a mm-hmm. lot. They really hit the roses hard. They, you know, so they're they're attracted to more than just that bait. What you wanted to is to get them in the trap. So that's. Well, I've given up on pole beans, and I'll tell you the reason why. Well, yeah. first of all, I, of the same kind of beans, you know, like purple beans yeah. and yellow beans, yeah. uh, the pole beans, I'm convinced, taste better. Yeah. However, once I get a nice teepee of pole beans uh-huh. growing, yeah. some critters will eat right along the bottom and kill the whole vine. You know? Really? Yeah. That's happened so many times that I'm, I deal, I'll plant more bush varieties. And uh, deal with it that way. Even though the yeah. years that I've had a good harvest of pole beans, uh-huh. I was convinced that the yellow pole beans and, even, and the purple ones tasted better than the uh-huh. bush ones. But. Well, I'm a big fan of the Roma. Uh, oh, they're wonderful. The Roma ones, the, the flat ones. They are wonderful. At, at first, as a matter of fact, I planted them by mistake one year. And uh, they were so tender mm-hmm. and so delicious and prolific and you know, you pick one of those beans, like pick two of the others. It's it's a it's a beautiful bean, but uh, yeah, I've, I haven't had any trouble. Uh, you know, I wonder. I haven't had any trouble with somebody eating the bottom of those because it's just one row. You know, I put them on those four foot trellises. And it's a row, and it's open in the front and the back, so yeah. there's no place for anybody to hide in there. Well, well ever since the big ice storm yeah. in the in the in the woods next to my actual backyard, yeah, yeah. there's just tons of branches and everything still. So I make the teepees, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, and since I don't go way out of my way to kill God's creatures, uh-huh. there are plenty of them out there. And, yeah. And well, I've seen the deer eat those pole beans at at deer height, you know, which is about halfway up the, you know, halfway up the teepee. So the the bush beans seem to have a greater survival Mm. rate in my neck of the woods. Well, we plant both because with the bush beans, you know, they come in, you know, within a few weeks, you have the whole harvest. So that's what we use for our deli beans. Mm. And so, so that, you know, you, we, we do our 30, um, uh, Thirty jars of dilly beans, Ooh, and they're so good. And uh, put them away, and and then uh, I can uproot those and plant something else in their place, you know, because because uh, you know they're all done by that time. So uh, 
the but the pole beans just keep putting out until the first frost. Yeah, it's not, if 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 they were if there weren't uh, the, the predators that I mm. have have to deal with, mm. uh, they would be my first choice for everything. You just keep on harvesting. And yeah. As I say, I think we did a kind of well, a taste test one year well, many years ago, and we thought that the pole beans were much yeah. more tender and tastier than. Bush beans, you side by side. Put one of those trellises right up against the house. That might thwart them a little bit. One other home remedy that seems to work, I keep going back to uh, the original gardening, uh, Dick Raymond's original gardening uh-huh. book, yeah. in which he said, well, if you really want to keep the critters out, put some lion urine <laughs> <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> yeah. I do. Yeah, and I said, "Well, where am I going to find a lion?" You know, I, I had uh, at that time. Uh, I guess it's when the lion sleeps at yeah, night. Yeah, I, had Mum- I had Mumbo the cat. She wasn't quite quite a lion, but uh, she she had her own way of things. But yeah. now I've got Cleo the Bengal cat. Yeah. And uh, we yeah. for the last couple of years, uh, just around the flower bed. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. we put, we've spread her uh, handiwork, her her, uh-huh. her uh, cat box yeah. litter. We get the poop out of it, but yeah, uh, yeah. the uh, urine-soaked part of it, just sprinkle it around the flower bed, <laughs> and it keeps the woodchucks out. It really does. Oh, no, they, 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 they come up and then uh, disappear. Uh, yeah, so, And whether that is you know coincidental or not, you, you never know when you do these things. But then again, it, wor- it seemed to work, so we've been doing it kind of as superstitious behavior. But uh, the one year that they showed up and uh, were just you know, you know, tr- you know, tr- mm-hmm. you know stomping they through the eat interior, everything, yeah. eating yeah. everything in their yep. path, yep. it seems they turned around and went somewhere else. So, you know, <laughs> I have to keep that in mind because so, I yeah, spotted one the, the other cat, day. The, if you have an indoor cat box, <laughs> it, it, it seemed to work, and uh, you know, the cat does her part to earn her keep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad they're useful for something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're good friends. Yeah. They're good friends but they, they take care of They're not kind to the mice that make it into the house. I don't yeah. mind telling you, you know, my, my gentle little cat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, one of my friends, one of the guys at work, lost his, his kitty cat over the over the week this week. He was 16, 15 years old, he said. And we thought, my goodness, you know, it was a Siamese cat. And, you know. I I felt for him. I I knew he was heartbroken. Yeah, I mine mine turned fifteen. Oh man! And she's going into major surgery in two weeks. But yeah. uh, we're going to the expense to try to give her a couple more good years if we can. God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have a big heart for those critters. <laughs> it's 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 funny, you know. I, as I am well into my dotage, so mm-hmm. is my beagle, age 13, my cat, <laughs> age 15, and sadly my bird died at age 14 uh-huh. a couple of months ago. So, yeah, you know. yeah. Well, you and I are, we're just only 10 years old uh, in dog years, you know. <laughs> right. <so. laughs> yeah, there's a cartoon of the dog looking at the New Year's Eve celebration on television and saying, yeah. my goodness, has another six years gone by already? <laughs> 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 That's a good one. I like that. I had to. I haven't ever seen that one. Oops, well, I, I think I've wasted all your I, time. I, no, no, it's the other way around, buddy. Well, I, I will try to get back. I still have one or two more things in the Seven Sisters here that we want to. Uh, did I mention about the Winooski? Right, I did mention that one. So that that was good. I got that far. 
the ramps. Um, so, and then there's a few other ones, but we'll get to them next week. Okay, and um, that will be when we see you in the garden. In Twilight. <laughs> Inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. In the Garden, this week and every week, brought to you by the Willie's Store, family-owned since 1900 in Greensboro. By Polly Construction on Gregory Drive in South Burlington, where one call does it all. By Montpelier Agway, your locally-owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By Bernard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Top quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. For store locations and hours, sticksandstuff.com. P&R Lumber, Route 15 in Walcott. Family Mill Lumber for all your many projects. Check out P&R Lumber on Facebook. Guy's Farm and Yard, four locations to serve you, so there's one near you. And if it eats and grows, Guy's can feed it online at guysfarmandyard.com. And as we've been mentioning, Dandelion Acres Garden Center, Route 107 in Bethel, sponsor of the In the Garden podcast at wdevradio.com. And, of course, dandelionacres.com as well. All it takes is a rake in the hole and a piece of fertile ground. If you actually saw the John Denver Muppet Show program, at this point in the song, all the vegetables kind of start singing their Muppet vegetables. Till the rain comes tumbling down. We are WDEV, FM and AM.